Attention, Skyway passengers. Please remain seated and keep your hands and arms inside the Skyway cabin. <laughs> friend and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 681, and together, as we have for the past 17 plus years, we're going to celebrate the magic of the Disney parks, movies, Marvel, Star Wars, and more here on the podcast, my weekly live video, events, blog, and more. Please be sure to join the community, subscribe to the podcast, and find everything over at www.radio.com. This week, we're going to go back to where it all began and share our top 10 things we love about Fantasyland, where it's more than just the attractions and the cinnamon rolls. It's about the history, the legacy, the magic, and Walt. Then stay tuned for our Disney Trivia Question of the Week, where you can enter for a chance to win a Disney Prize package and more updates and your voicemails at the end of the show. If you like what you hear, please share the show and tell a friend. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. One of my favorite words in the entire language is why. And if you've ever worked with me or attended any of my momentum events for entrepreneurs and content creators, you know the importance of understanding your why in your business and in your passion. But I think that word can also be applied to our fandom. Because think about it. Like, why do we love Disney? Why do certain movies or characters resonate with us? Why do we enjoy one attraction over another? But I think we're also sometimes so busy enjoying the things in the parks that we don't stop to ask ourselves that simple, introspective question. And as we've done on the show before in other places and spaces and lands like Main Street USA, Future World, Tomorrowland, Japan, Liberty Square, this week we're going to turn our attention to arguably where it all began in Fantasyland and ask ourselves that question with our top 10 things that we love about Fantasyland. And it sort of goes to the why. And joining me this week is a man who, like me, is a kid at heart and knows that we need, we all need maybe a little bit more fantasy in our lives to take a break from reality. He is, of course, Tim Foster from Celebrations Press and Guide to the Magic. I need a Big break from reality these days. So this is perfect. Tim, your whole this. life is a big break. From My reality. whole life is a break from reality. <laughs> Listen, mine is too. Right? Look, you know, the things that we get to do and the things that we get to share. Uh, it is 
very much a, a break. And, and I sort of love this. And this, this actually was suggested to me by a number of listeners, um, including one most recently, Joanne. Thank you for the suggestion. Because we have talked about the things that we love about other lands. And, and it did get me thinking about, like, why? What, what is it that we love about Fantasyland? And why do we love this? And what are some of those reasons? But what, if I say Fantasyland to you, Tim, what's the first thing that you think of? What's the first thing that pops into your mind? Pretty castles. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you as, as, as expected, Tim always comes out with something that I don't necessarily expect, <laughs> but that's fine. Um, and I think this will, and I think this will be a lot of fun, right? This is not something that's, um, you know, this is not a super heavy deep dive into fantasy land. It's just sometimes this this look back and and sort of analysis of what it is that we not just the things that we love but why we love them as well. And you are my friend, you are my guest, and as always, I'm just incredibly curious about what you're going to say, which is part of the reason why I want you to go first. Great. I'm all over the place here. Well, one of the things I love about Fantasyland is it's there's a sense of enchantment you have, which I'm going to get into with some other loftier answers I have down the road. But I, I thought I'd just start simply with... Um, one of I've actually described this to a few people recently is this one of the most overlooked attractions, I think, in all of Walt Disney World, especially if you are a grown up and especially if you're a grown up that doesn't have kids with you is uh, Enchanted Tales with a Bell. And I, I, I sit here, I, I beg everybody who walks by it, doesn't give it any thought as they're heading to seven dwarfs mine train or any other e-ticket attraction on your list uh you might think it's just a kid's show you might think it's just a meet and greet and not give it any thought and i i admit i was one of those people but uh thought you know let me go check this out i'm by myself but eh, how bad could it be and oh my gosh it's amazing and it's just everything if you're an adult that loves effects and uh, uh dazzling displays of oh my gosh the enchanted mirror is enough to get you going i i know sort of how it works but even at that i'm still mesmerized every time i see it uh the animatronic figure of lumiere is in one of the most amazing you'll ever see and best of all it's not like a human animatronic where you're kind of uncanny valley where clearly that's not a real person this is what lumiere would look like if he were in real life it's fantastic but all of that aside, just the the spectacle of the show and watching the look on kids' faces, whether they're other guests or your own children, the look on their faces as the story unfolds before them, as Belle comes in front of them and they get to see her up close and personal. Um, I cry every time, even though I'm not participating in the show, except for the one time I got to be a knight and I actually had to hold back the tears because I was supposed to be regal and brave and all of that good stuff. But but again, it's just one of those attractions I think a lot of people overlook or don't pay much mind to as they're making their plans. And in terms of what we like about Fantasyland, it really brings that sense of fairy tale enchantment to me forth, kind of like maybe no other attraction around. So I love that. And I love that you talked about it in terms of enchantment, because there is something enchanting about this land and and i think we're obviously probably talking primarily about walt disney world in the context of this conversation although much of this can be applied to fantasy land 
in Disneyland and, and in other parks as well. And for me, number one on my list is the answer to the question that I asked you, which was the first thing that I think of when I think of Fantasyland. It's Walt. Yes. Fantasyland is dedicated to the young and the young at heart, to those who believe that when you wish upon a star, your dreams come true. I said at the intro that it really is where it all began, and and I think Walt wanted a place where you could step out of the passive two-dimensional on-screen experience in the movies and truly be immersed in the stories. And I think of so many places throughout the park, we can find Walt's metaphorical handprint in so many places, not just Main Street USA and, and Adventureland and Tomorrowland, but I think Walt lives here. I think Walt's spirit lives in Fantasyland because it was sort of the genesis of, of everything that he did began in the stories that are the foundation, that are the keystones to this land in, in any of the parks. And that's sort of how I feel when I go there is that, that Walt still lives there. And it's why I think Fantasyland will always remain special to me in that regard. Yeah, that was my loftier answer. I was going to lead with, but didn't. So, <laughs> so that's good. Now, but well, I'll follow up on that because I had sort of a different, same idea. But the the take I had on that was the idea when you go to Fantasyland, uh, more so than any other land in in the Magic Kingdom or any other park. There's such a connection to not just Walt Disney, as you said, but just to Disney history in general, and specifically animation history and how this all started. And this is a land filled with, you know, princesses and the, the stories of I was going to say the stories we grew up with, but I'm not so sure you were around in the 30s and 40s, Lou. So I don't think you grew up with Snow White and all these other movies. But but as you as you go around to pretty much every attraction uh, that, you know, they're grounded in uh, the classic fairy tale movies or or things we grew up with, like Winnie the Pooh. And, and stuff like that. I, I was going around actually every attraction, just checking out the list, make sure that it adhered to my criteria of, yes, it was grounded. It was based on a classic film and you go around and yeah. And then you get to the one exception being it's a small world, but in a weird way to me that more than any of the other attractions mm-hmm. really brings that classic nostalgia, Disney, New York World's Fair, Mary Blair, the whole thing. And, you know, that's it's one of my favorite attractions of all time. And a lot of it is for that. uh, Like you said, when you're riding it, you feel like Walt's sitting right there with you and, you know, he saw this and 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 made this Um, just like we talk about the Tiki Room and the Jungle Cruise and things like that. But this is the Fantasyland version. But that feeling kind of goes through the whole every attraction, every corner, because it's also grounded in the history of what made this all possible. And to be clear, I was not alive in the 30s and 40s, but my parents raised me right. And the (laughs) quote unquote, really old movie like that is what I grew up on. I grew up on Snow White and Peter Pan. and, And those are the stories that even like, like now I just came back from Disneyland and I wanted to go and ride Pinocchio. I wanted to mm-hmm. go and ride Snow White because I still do have that connection to them, which will also sort of circle back to something else, which is 
on my list as one of the reasons why I love this land so much. Well said. I think it's your turn. Well, then I'm going to go right into it then. So, All right. <laughs> because it, it is for me, and I know I, I'm, I'm a sap and I'm a sentimentalist, but it is the classics, right? It, it is the nostalgia that this land holds into it. And while some people might consider these movies to be old, I think they are the classics. It, it's Dumbo. It's it's Peter Pan. It's Cinderella. Um, it, it's Alice in Wonderland, right? With with the teacups. It's not just the the sentimentality to the films, but it's the nostalgia for me in my remembering. I mean, I don't remember my first trip in November of 71, but the yearly plus trips we took after, I remember um, being in Fantasyland with my parents. I remember riding, you know, being able to enjoy all of those attractions and even some of the relatively newer ones like Winnie the Pooh and Journey of the Little Mermaid. These are the things that, again, I think it sort of ties back into Walt. Walt wanted a place where families could have fun together and we experience these things with our kids or our parents in front of the TV or up on screen and then we're able to live them together in the parks. I, I think if you get it, you get it, right? I don't almost need to, to sort of talk about the nostalgia and the classics and the sentimentality, um, but even like the classic dark rides. Like I just love the classic dark rides. I miss Mr. Toad. I miss, <laughs> I even miss the original Snow White Scary Adventure. As much as I love Mind Train, it's some of those things that um, that I, I wish were still there. Yeah, I love all those dark rides. And I, I I still love when they create a new ride, like when Little Mermaid opened and it was, uh, you know, filled with all kinds of new animatronic technology and all that, but still harkens back to that classic dark ride, which we all know and love, which is so simple, but it's so it's just it's just Disney. But um so when you asked me, first thing I thought of, and I said shiny castles. So I do want to talk about the castle because that's always, um, no, no. When I do think of fantasy land, that is the first thing that comes to mind. And that's, I mean, the castle is a whole one, two, three, four, five shows unto itself. So I won't go. In. I was trying to pick what aspect of it do I want to talk about. Um, the fact that it's just continually fascinating, and there's, there's two parts one that there's always something to discover no matter how many times you've seen it and to just the, the the grandeur of it and and the spectacle it gets well, i'll get back to it in a second so i have a story about that but so the one thing i would uh, decided to talk about would be the details that you can find and again every time i go um well, sometimes it gets a whole new paint job like it got last year, which is fantastic. But even then, you, I, I go and I'll still I'll see things I've I haven't seen before. Just notice for the first time, like uh, last year, I just noticed. I don't know if I've talked about this with you or told you about it. I found a hidden Pluto in Cinderella Castle. Wow. So and it, well, it's it's kind of funny because it's where it is, is um, and um, it's it, when I tell you what this is you're going to groan but on the clock on the front of the castle as many times as i've looked at it it's when you examine the details and you realize i never noticed that before um 
there's two rings, one's on the minute hands, one's on the hour hand. And you might have to zoom in to look at, but I took me forever to realize that on the one ring are all the zodiac symbols. And on the other ring are all the planetary symbols, the old ones that we all grew up with. And one of them is Pluto, even though Pluto's not with us as a full fledged planet anymore. But so I see that and I kind of laughed and I went, ah, ha, ha, a hidden Pluto. But it's a detail. I never noticed that before in all the years I've been looking at the castle. And sure enough, there it is. Um, looking at the murals, you always find new things to discover. Like I just found the signature of Dorothea Redmond in the corner, you know, which I'd never really noticed before. Um, you know, I, I love pointing out the sweet, uh, the sin, the sweet wind stained glass windows in the upper corner on the back uh, uh, left hand corner for people to see. But uh, like I said, no matter how many times you see it on a, on a micro level, there's so much to discover, but on a macro level, it's still enchanting. And then one story I'll end this with, I was talking to somebody the other day, who's a Disneyland person mainly, but they did come to Walt Disney world. And the first thing they said, in stark contrast to Disneyland, where Sleeping Beauty Castle is, it's there, it's beautiful, but it takes you a while to get there and actually see it. Um, they were just totally taken back by the, the spectacle of not from Main Street USA. This is going all the way back to the Ticket Transportation Center, coming over on the launch boat and seeing the castle way off in the distance. And to them, it was such a fairy tale coming true, even from that far away. Um, how the stage is, is set for the Magic Kingdom long before you even get to the gates. And, uh, and it just reminds me of all the moments you have when you see it from the boat, you see it when you turn to come out from under the train station, take that turn down Main Street. But, you know, it's just something that continues to um, make me uh, nostalgic, weepy and happy every time I see it. And it was nice hearing that from someone who's a Disneyland fan. Like, your castle is pretty cool. So that was nice. So. Well, I think that the, the castle is not just iconic, but it, it represents so much to so many and very subjectively and not just what it represents in terms of its presence and place, but that portal and being able to step back in time as you enter into fantasy land and the mural and the boutique that allows kids to become whoever they want to be. Um Every the castle is special to everyone mm. for all different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. So Tim, I have to go here. Like I okay. <laughs> somewhat I this is that is an accidental double entendre. When I say that I have to go, I don't mean it in this way, but I have to go to the restroom. <laughs> I didn't mean it that way, but that's how listen you it's funny, and I know that we a restroom makes the list, but while poor Rapunzel may not have received her own attraction in Fantasyland, she did get uh, an area of respite and a stroller parking area. But the theming in this area is so incredible. You want to talk about stepping into a world in a much more sort of microcosm type of way versus like a Cars Land or Galaxy's Edge, you do really, they make you feel like you've stepped into the world of Tangled. Now, chances are you've probably only visited one of the two restrooms, 
But the men's room is sort of themed after the Snuggly Duckling. The women's room is decorated with paintings and art supplies by Rapunzel. The exterior has... The, it, it looks as though you're in the village and there's wanted posters and lanterns and flags and the beautiful tower that using forced perspective in the distance, there are incredible details that abound, right? There's a game, right? There's an interactive sort of game in terms of trying to find the hidden Pascals, the Maximus, the uh, hoof prints on the ground. I love the little waterfall, which I take as a small sort of tribute to the Skyway that used to be in this area and that flowing waterfall that used to be here. From a practical perspective, uh, they I don't know if they actually still use the term, but it was called a D-zone. And the mm. idea was that this was a place that you can go to sit and rest, both inside and outside the restrooms. But it's a place <laughs> to sort of rest and recharge. And I love the fact that they have... All of those semi-hidden power outlets and USB outlets in those, I think there's six sort of different charging stations that are built into the landscape. Um, They're not these sort of big sort of metallic industrial looking things. They are very much built in and blend to the theming. There's benches and there's tables and you can sort of recharge your personal battery as well as your cell phone battery. Uh, it is an amazing place at night. I love mm-hmm. the lantern shot. It's an amazing place. I hate to give this away. It's an incredible place to watch fireworks. Pers- You're stealing my answer. Oh, sorry. But it is. Not sorry. And, and you can sort of tie into that. And, and, and the view from here, and if you frame it just right, you get the lanterns in the foreground that sort of fade off with sort of a little bit of a bokeh effect, and you've got the, the fireworks off in the distance. It's gorgeous there. It is absolutely gorgeous. You're also away from all the crowds. And if you look very carefully, you might not even know it until you see it, but they have touched up and updated and I think made a little bit more vibrant some of the mural paintings, I think just in time for the 50th, uh, in that area. If you look at sort of Rapunzel's flower mural, you can really see the pinks and the purples and the lavenders really sort of sticking out and, and becoming apparently much more brighter uh who thought that a restroom could be so beautiful but it really is and it's almost an attract i mean it is it's sort of a not like attraction of necessity but it's almost an attraction of a place to visit and i know it sounds weird taking pictures of and around the bathrooms but you do and like i said that the even the the lantern magic shots at night uh do do you need a lightning lane pass for the restroom (laughs) That was beautiful. Tim, you'd be surprised, and I guess we have to do it. You would be surprised over the years how many people are asked, when are we going to do the top 10 restrooms? I've been asked that a lot, too. So, And by the way, the music is beautiful there, too. If you listen really carefully, there's very beautiful music there. No, it's Phil. Actually, I I remember when the charging station, well, when it came, and one of the things was the charging stations and how big of a deal that was, because I remember doing the, you know, doing the... uh, searching high and low everywhere you can find an outlet anywhere give me an outlet i think there's what like in the base of a flagpole in liberty square there's one, or something you're not supposed <laughs> you to were use. like stealing power right yeah i mean you felt bad about doing it but um no so cool i i absolutely love that area so and you said it perfectly but you get you kind of touched on one thing so i'll i'll go with this is it's kind of an odd thing because 
as far as crowds and and so on, because normally during well throughout the day, um, the main area of Fantasyland, old Fantasyland, if you want to call it that, it it is pretty busy, very busy sometimes. Um, the thing I'm I think I'm always fascinated with is as as the evening wears on in particular, and as the sun sets, when you head back into the new Fantasyland section of how how quickly you get to an area where there's nobody there at all. Um, a lot of the time um, you're off of the main thoroughfare for the most part. And then by night people are going, doing other things and so forth. And, and you touched on fireworks. That's actually like heading back to Gaston's tavern in the courtyard and watching the fireworks there is is pretty cool. One, you have it to, you really have the whole place to yourself. I've done it several times and nobody's there. And um, uh, the, the, the one downside is you can't, you, you get a, <laughs> you don't see the castle and all of the front, you know, the projection and all that kind of stuff that that's going on. But if you've seen the fireworks before and you're casually walking around, we always talk about our, where's your favorite place to watch the fireworks. If you're not, you know, on main street USA with, 10,000 of your closest friends watching the fireworks. That's one of my favorite spots just because it's so peaceful. It's so tranquil. And even watching the fireworks, just, just walking around, it's, it's pretty dark back there. Um, but the, the queue of uh, journey with the little mermaid is so magical at night with the lanterns that are, that are hung up there, which are exquisite pieces of art under themselves. And I even just walked by them so many times you stop and take a look at them. Or stand by the waterfall, stand in front of uh, Prince Eric's castle. It's, it's beautiful. Seven Dwarfs Mine Train is beautiful. And I, so again, it's surprisingly for what's usually the most, one of the most crowded places in all of Walt Disney World, turns into a tranquil, magical oasis at night. Somehow. It's that Disney magic. I don't know how they do it. All right, next on my list is a bit of an oxymoron because you talked about some of the hidden details, and there are so, so many uh, throughout Fantasyland. And one of my favorite hidden details is one of the biggest details that is literally he is hiding in plain sight. Hmm. And this is where you say, Lou, I know, of course, that you're talking about Willie. Yes. Willie the Giant in Sir Mickey's is one of my favorite I loved, I, I used to do tours of mm. the parks. I still do every so often. If you listen to the audio tour in Sir Mickey's, uh, if you, you know, we're also focused on the merchandise and I always talk about looking up and sometimes you do and don't see peering, sort of ripping off the roof as as he did in the 1947 animated feature, Fun and Fancy Free, Mickey and the Beanstalk. You see Willie the Giant sort of tearing the roof off of the off of the building as he is uh, looking down into the house and, and with uh, Edgar Bergen and, and Charlie, Mc his, his ventriloquist dummies, Charlie McCarthy. Um, I, I love this detail for so many reasons. One, because normally you'll walk in and you'll ask people who have, who are not familiar with it to look around and they don't see it until you point it out to them. And then you get to tell the story about Mickey and the Beanstalk, which is also retold in some of the vignette windows right outside. I think it's it's a, a feature that a lot of guests have probably 
never seen before. Um, and did, wait, did you know that at one time when they when they first began animating Mickey and the Beanstalk, they wanted it to be its own feature film. Hmm. And the reason why it wasn't was because of World War II. So production okay. on Mickey and the Beanstalk started by the time of World War II and they weren't actually able to uh, make it into a, make it this sort of Beanstalk tale into a, a full featured film. But I, I love this detail. I love that it hides in plain sight. Uh, I think it's, it's such a sort of a, a fun throwaway. And it's also an opportunity for you, listener, like if you are with somebody who's never been there before or maybe not familiar with it, it's one of those great sort of aha moments that you're able to uh, point out to guests. And actually, you, if you if you have, have you ever seen Mickey's Christmas Carol? Me, you, and once I think Willie I, the, I Willie think the I remember Giant. that. Of course, I've Ghost of Christmas Past. Of course, I've roofs, seen. He lifts up the roofs of buildings in there. Well, you we'll can watch see him on together around Christmas time. You can see him on Main Street USA in the window shops at Christmas. There you go. Yeah, Willie the Giant. And actually, you say that, and I'm going to be confess. I'm probably one of those people who never really noticed that before. So you never noticed Willie the Giant before? Wait, you, you just made it plain that so many people have missed it, as if it <laughs> yeah, was an allowable thing. Foster. And you're you're incredulous that oh, I. Oh my gosh! You know what? You and I are going to take. In, in addition well, to all the other things busy. we have to do together, and all the restaurants we need to dine in, you and I are just going to tour Magic Kingdom. We're going to hand in hand. We're going to skip and frolic through Magic Kingdom together, and I'm just going to nerd out with you completely. Well, uh, you know, there are a couple. There are a lot of details I probably haven't seen it. There, there's two actually that I've I've heard legend of and i'm actually curious if you've seen these too and i don't know if i'm ever going to get to see them uh, one one i think is i can see it if i make the effort and there's a at the in the queue of a uh, journey of little mermaid i think it's the exit queue if you stand in just the right place the, the rocks form like a hidden steamboat willy mm-hmm. i've heard i haven't seen it myself i've seen pictures of it with people you know, right, it's only trying to like draw a day at a certain time. And, right. Yeah. Well, uh, it works. Well, but the other thing um, I've heard is in the queue on Mickey Mouse's birthday at just the right time. There's a hole in the uh, overhead where the at that point, just like Raiders of the Lost Ark, a <laughs> shaft of light will come down and form a hidden Mickey on the wall and people form. The, I've never seen it. I've heard legend of it. I don't know if I'll ever see it. I know with my luck, if I go there that day and go to see it, that's the day it'll be cloudy and there will be no sun. But, uh, you know, but have you have you ever seen either one of these? Uh, I have seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes, but maybe yeah. <laughs> staff as a just the right height or, you know. Yeah, well, you know, um, your staff of uh, raw. bring your staff of raw. That's right. So, well, you know, after this, I kind of was down to just favorite attractions and so forth. So I'm kind of in honorable mention territory right here. I, I sort of am, yeah. too. There's a couple of things I will I will mention very, very quickly uh, as we can go through. And, and we talked about and this is this is sort of a recurring theme. I know, especially for me, I talk about interaction and immersion. And I think Fantasyland has some of the best immersive dining with Cinderella's Royal Table, still a still a very, very hot ticket, as well as mm-hmm. Be Our Guest, also a hot ticket. The ability to sort of step, again, in, from a dining experience perspective, being able to step into the movie. Look, I think Be Our Guest is brilliant in its 
design in terms of where you sit affords you a different part of the storytelling experience, right? Whether it is in the grand ballroom or is in that sort of darkened room with the with the the rose and the falling petal, like both are beautiful but feel like completely different restaurants. And I think in terms of interactivity, Fantasyland was one of the first places that we started to see the rollout of what I think is just the tip of the iceberg in terms of interactive cues. Winnie Mm -hmm. the Pooh, many adventures of Winnie the Pooh, if you think back, it started out in a low-tech version where you got to explore Pooh's house, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea sub, by the way, Mm -hmm. Rabbit's Garden, the Honey Bee Hive, and there was some sort of that interactive sort of play things. But as time has gone on, now you sort of have, I think it was about 2014, the murals are more interactive where there is the ability to sort of touch and move around that sort of dripping honey. Peter Pan's flight, same thing. When that was updated a number of years ago to expand and and make that cue a little bit more of a storytelling experience, um, that too has the interactive elements to it. It has more of a storytelling element to it as well too which is necessary by design because of the long waits for that attraction but i do love the levels again i think i think walt would love to see the sort of progression in in terms of the interactivity and the immersion into these classic stories yeah it's funny i just i believe this year finally saw the interactive queue at peter pan's flight for the first time and it's well, it's, it's because of what you said, because it's it's um, necessary. It was a welcome addition because of the historically long wait times that Peter Pan's flight ever has. So in all these years, because of that wait time, that was always a fast pass for us yeah. or or a, a extra magic hours kind of event during which you don't get you don't go through the queue. So right. it, it was actually quite a long time before we got to see it. It happened happened to be on the night when the queue was going and it wasn't, you know, an hour, 20 minutes or whatever. And, but we did go in and get to see it, which I'd long wanted to, but was it worth the hour to wait for it when I have stuff to do, but uh, it was not, if you have a chance to see it, it really is. It really is fun. Um, but I, I have so some other favorite attractions. I have, I mean, Phil magic, I think right up there with mm-hmm. enchanted tales with bell, Mickey's Philhar Magic is that one, that one attraction that speaks to that magic of Disney and speaks to the 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 Big Mouse himself and Donald Duck and the, and these classic characters. Um, uh, with Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railway, that I love that addition because it's it's surprisingly kind of rare to find Mickey and pals in an attraction, you know, or a show at Walt Disney World. Surprisingly, but Philhar Magic was always great. Um, with with two moments that that always really speak to me and one is when ariel reaches out and i've talked about that so many times uh, but the other one and I, I, I think we've done this we, it's more of an audio moment than anything else and it's the moment after the peter pan sequence and you lift up to the aladdin flying and there's barely audible but a whoosh and i swear a slight breeze but that's something about that moment is so magical and takes you back to 
I don't know, you're a little kid, you're a, you're living these fantasy worlds that you only see on the screen. It's 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 that indescribable Disney magic that you get for a fleeting minute, but I get it there every time. So that's always one of my favorite spots. I and LaFoe's brew. LaFoe's brew. Listen, who bubble gum in a cup. Notice, by the way, I have been very I as much as I wanted to say LeFou's brew with a little <laughs> giant cinnamon roll like the size of your body on the side. I stayed away from food. Well, I, I wanted to throw it out food. there because I knew you were you were dying to. You wanted to, but uh, you did. Uh, another th- and and I had this as an entry on my list, but I'll just address it very quickly. Is I think that that Fantasyland is it's the bonus land because you really sort of get three lands in one. Right. Remember 2011 when Toontown closed to make room for what was being called at the time New Fantasyland when it was completed around 2014. We now sort of have like original Fantasyland, like OG Fantasyland. (laughs) We have Storybook Circus, which I had always considered its own separate land. But technically it is listed on the map as part of Fantasyland. And we have the Enchanted Forest. So you have this sort of medieval, fair, original fantasy land, the circus theme of Storybook Circus, and that Enchanted Forest of Beauty and the Beast and Little Mermaid. So I love the fact that it's this wonderful, seamless marriage and amalgam of these different themes that all blend seamlessly into one. The idea that you used to be and, you, and there's still some remnants of it. When you entered Fantasyland, you were in the castle keep. You could see little elements of the extensions of the castle walls in some of the ancillary areas of Fantasyland that made you feel that as you walked through those castle gates, you were inside the walls of the castle keep. It has been expanded more because now there is this section of the forest, and you see that delineation between the the original fantasy land there is that freestanding wall that sort of marks the line in between the castle keep and the enchanted forest and then the extension over into storybook circus i love the multiple themes that cohesively work into a single land and i love just standing on not one not two not three but four if you count rapunzel's tower four castles Oh my god, oh, that's true. I didn't even think about it. Look at you pulling yeah. the castle there. Well, and it was funny because uh we uh last time on our trip we we're looking at the beast castle, <laughs> and this is one of those things we're looking at it, and it was during the day, and it's and you know, that seems bigger. I they redid that, didn't they? Didn't they? And then and we look back at old pictures. No, they didn't redo it. We're just looking at it more intently than we had before. So again, just you can always find something new, but castles everywhere. Do you have anything else on your list? Uh, I Noah love a Mary. Acceptable, no is a perfectly no. acceptable answer. Other than I love Mary Blair. That's all. So <laughs> the, the last thing that I will mention, and I think this, this is sort of a nice way to, to maybe succinctly tie this all together. And this actually, I, I had written this down as, as number two on my list because I felt it was so important, but maybe it's, it's appropriate that it is last. I think one of the things that I love most about Fantasyland is the permission. 
And I think Fantasyland, of all places in Walt Disney World, is the one that gives the clearest, most deliberate and intentional permission to be a kid again. There is something about this land that I don't know what it is, Tim. I think it's the, for adults-ish, it is that marriage of that we talked about before of nostalgia and sentiment and, and memories of growing up. It is the types of attractions that are there. It is the character. We didn't even talk about the character interactions, not just inside places like Princess Fairytale Hall, but even interacting with, with Gaston in front of his giant cinnamon roll-based <laughs> based area. But maybe it is because of the stories that are being told here. It is the characters that are here. Whether you're taking your child on Dumbo because he or she loves it, but it it sparks a memory in you that allows you to let your guard down, as I think many of us do when we walk into especially Magic Kingdom. We let our adult tendencies and guards down, and here more than anywhere, I think we feel most comfortable allowing ourselves to dress up like a knight, you know, pretend we are going under the sea, flying with Peter Pan, whatever it might be, or, you know, being a five-year-old and just enjoying a ride on Dumbo, Fantasyland gives us permission to be a kid again. Beautifully said. But I want to know from you, not you, Tim, because I heard you're ready. I, I want to know I from you, me. listening at home, imagining you are walking, skipping, dare I say, skipping with Tim and I through Fantasyland. <laughs> what is the thing that you love most about Fantasyland? I know there are things Certainly that we missed. I wanted to mention the sword and the stone, but I'm not going to do it. What is it about Fantasyland that you love most? I'd love you to be part of the community and conversation station. I will post this question in the clubhouse on Facebook at www.radio.com slash clubhouse. I'll also post it on my Instagram. Better yet, call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. Call in. Let me know what it is for you that you love about Fantasyland. And then, and only then, after you've done all of the above, please go and check out everything Tim has to offer at celebrationspress.com and Guide to the Magic. You are the busiest man in the Disney business. You say that, and, and you say that that way every time, but I want to make it clear. I think it's perfectly fine if people go over to Celebrations Press first and then come <laughs> back and call you up and clue you <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You can call the voicemail while you are (laughs) typing celebrationspress.com. Good stuff. Oh, hey, I'll just remind everybody our, well, speaking of Fantasyland, all kinds of Fantasyland magic in our 50th anniversary, 50 years of Walt Disney World magic anniversary collector's book that we still have. And then uh, we're talking about Fantasyland, but there's another park in Walt Disney World that's about to have a birthday, Lou. Did you know that? A park um, in Walt Disney World that's about to have a birthday? Yeah. Aren't most of them about to have a birthday? Well, yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Wait, I'm well, Ep- Animal Kingdom was Earth Day. That's past. <laughs> Hollywood Studios, that's past. Epcot and... So, I know, I'm confused. No, well, Epcot's having a pretty significant birthday this year. Number 40. I know you're not 40 yet. Lou, 40 is the deal. new 20, says Epcot 40 Center. is the new 20. But we're making a whole new uh, 
similar to the 50 year book, a 40th anniversary Epcot hardcover collector's coffee table book, which we're about to launch soon. So, Lou, you'll be the first to know when that's ready to go. So we're excited about that, too. I am excited to get my order in uh, before the mad holiday rush as well. I will put links (laughs) to all of this good stuff that Tim has to offer in the show notes over at www.radio.com. If you have a suggestion for a top 10 that you'd like to hear on the show, you can also email me, lou at www.radio.com. Tim, my little Fantasyland friend, thank you so very much, brother. Always a pleasure. Favorite thing to eat in Fantasyland, go. Uh, peppermint cupcakes at Gaston's Tavern at Christmas. It's time for our Walt Disney World trivia question of the week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World's history. Or see how well you pay attention to the details in what you see, hear, taste, or remember. If you think you know the answer or can come up with a pretty good guess, you can enter for a chance to win a Disney prize package. And this week's trivia contest is once again brought to you by you. And I'm not kidding because as part of the WW Radio Nation, you literally help bring every episode of WW Radio to life, every live broadcast, the contest and giveaways. They're all thanks to buy for with and about you you can find out how you can help the show for as little as a dollar per month and get cool exclusive rewards every month like scavenger hunts group video calls access to our private facebook group shirts stickers monthly care packages early access and discounts to events and much more and of course don't forget that your contribution and membership in the nation helps benefit our dream team project which benefits the make-a-wish foundation of america Thanks to you, we've raised more than $550,000 to help children with life-threatening illnesses and their families visit Walt Disney World. I want to quickly thank some new and longtime members, including Dave and Tammy Z, Jeanette Scott Moeller, Frank, Jeff, and the Costas family. I sincerely appreciate you and the love, friendship, and support you give to me and the show. If you want to find out how you can help the show, you can visit www.radio.com support. Now, before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week, I just came back from Star Wars Celebration. Obi-Wan Kenobi just debuted on Disney+. Plus. I was in a very Star Wars-y kind of mood, which is why I asked you to tell me what Walt Disney World attraction once used or still uses the same ride system as Star Tours. Thanks to so many of you who entered, got this one correct, and knew that the answer was, of course, Body Wars. And if you remember, Body Wars from the Wonders of Life Pavilion was there from about 1989 through 2007. If you go back to show 227, I do a complete Epcot retrospective on the Wonders of Life Pavilion. We do a deep dive into the pavilion and each of the attractions. Anyway, I took all the correct entries. I randomly selected one. I remember last week you were playing for the special Book of Boba Fett and Mandalorian pin set that came from Star Wars Celebration and Disney+. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is... Scotty Nelson. So, Scotty, congratulations. I will get your prize package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So, I love celebrity cameos in Disney attractions, especially when they are least expected and so far out of context. Bill Nye, Martin Short, Tim Curry, Jeremy Irons, and even some modern ones, like Dancing with the Stars host, Tyra Banks, who was once featured in what, maybe extinct, Walt Disney World attraction. 
where can you or could you find Tyra Banks as a celebrity cameo in a Walt Disney World attraction? You have until Sunday, June 12th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern to go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast. Again, this week you're going to play for the WW Radio pin and button and bonus mystery prize that you can only get by playing and winning the trivia contest. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. I'd love to know, again, your favorite thing that you love about Fantasyland. You can come be part of the community and conversation over in the WW Radio Clubhouse at www.radio.com slash clubhouse. You can also connect with me elsewhere on social. I am at Lou Mangiello on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Please also be sure to like the WW Radio page on Facebook at facebook.com slash WW Radio and turn on notifications so you don't miss a thing, including our Wednesday night WW Radio live show every Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Together, we'll walk, talk, tour the parks, or talk from the home studio, not just about this week's Walt Disney World news, the podcast, interactive trivia games, Disney Plus pick of the week, my top five live, and much more. Again, tune in, be part of the conversation every Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Of course, I still believe that nothing beats a handshake and a hug, so please check out our events page at www.radio.com slash events. You can find out about our next Meet of the Month in Walt Disney World this Saturday, June 11th at Disney's Hollywood Studios, our cruises on the Disney Wish in August, December, and our Disney Fantasy 8-night cruise in April. We also have two upcoming adventures by Disney to Italy in March 2023 and over the summer to Wyoming, where we still have just a couple of spots left for this very fun, very family-friendly trip that I cannot wait to take and experience with you. And speaking of doing things with you, I just opened up tickets for my Momentum Weekend Workshop in Walt Disney World this October, my two-day, 50-person, one-room conference for entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, content creators. You can find out more and take advantage of our super early bird pricing by visiting lumangelo.com. I also have two spots left for my weekly mastermind group that meets every Tuesday night for help, support, resources, and accountability. Again, you can find out more by visiting lumangelo.com. And thanks, as always, to Becky Mankin and the entire team over at mousefantravel.com. They are true magic makers, whether you're going to world, land, adventures by Disney, your next Disney cruise, or your first Disney cruise, or anywhere in this big blue world of ours. They give you all available discounts, the best possible prices, more importantly, an incredible level of personal service. They treat you like family because we are. We are all one big family, and Mouse Fan Travel is very much a part of that. You can go get a free no-obligation quote by visiting mousefantravel.com. And speaking of family, you are not just my friend, whether we've met yet or not, but you really are family, and I mean that sincerely. You are not a number, a download, a, a listener, a member. You're a friend, and you really are part of this extended family and community that you have helped to create and nurture and grow. And if you don't believe me, go be part of the community over at www.radio.com slash clubhouse, and you'll see exactly what I mean. And because you are my friend and you are my family, all I ask that if you like the show, and I hope that you do, to please help spread the word. You are my friend. Tell one of your friends about this week's or your favorite episode. And if you can, take just a couple of seconds to rate and review the show over an Apple podcast. You can do it on your desktop. You can do it right from your phone. Takes just a couple of seconds. I want to thank some recent reviewers like Pete and Jen, who says this is storytelling at its best. 
Lou is a wonderful storyteller and is so well-versed on all things in the Disneyverse, it's like listening to a very knowledgeable, caring, and entertaining friend sharing something we all love in common. Thank you, Lou, for all you do. Wow, Pete and Jen, thank you so much. And Jaffa Joe from the United Kingdom, so now I'm reading this mentally in an English accent. He says, Mangello Mania continues. Lou's show has been a lifeline for me all the time that I can't be at the world as knowledge, passion, and respect for the Walt Disney Company is wonderful. He truly gets it, how so many of us feel about Walt Disney World. Lou, like so many of us, loves the history and the story of Walt Disney World as audio tours of the parks really transport you onto Main Street and beyond. Thank you, Lou. Keep it up. Jaffa Joe, Pete, and Jen, Thank you all so very much, and thank you, you, I'm talking to you, my friend, my family member, for the gift and the blessing of your time and your love and your support and your friendship. I sincerely appreciate you, and I hope that the show and our time together doesn't just help enhance your enjoyment and appreciation of the parks and Marvel and Star Wars and the movies and crews, but in a much broader sense, I really do hope that it does inspire you to choose the good and to be that positive light you want to see in this world. And I promise you, it doesn't take a lot. Like a smile to a stranger goes a long, long way. I love you. I appreciate you. And I truly hope that this is your best week ever. So until next time, see ya. Good morning, Lou. This is Joe of Orange Park, Florida. Uh, I'm a Florida native, and I just moved back into the state with my wife and kids, and we're a huge Disney family. I've been listening to your podcast on and off for a couple of years. Uh, I'm I'm not really a podcast guy, but I have been starting to after these long commutes to work. But I, I do follow you on Facebook and all that stuff. I love your cameo in the Kingdom Keeper series. That, that just blew my mind. Uh, but anyway, I just finished listening to your top 10 themed restaurants podcast, and I have an idea that kind of takes a piece from the land restaurant, you know, the revolving one uh, where you can watch the, the show scenes inside. I think they should do something with Spaceship Earth. So Spaceship Earth is one of those nice, calm, slow rides that have a lot of intriguing scenes. So I think it would be awesome if there was food involved. Yeah. So you're just kind of going along and maybe – Maybe it's a little grab-and-go, an optional grab-and-go station before the ride, and and you can kind of get a tray, and your car has an eating area, and you just kind of slowly go through this ride while you're munching on a sub or or some chicken salad or something. And I know they would have to deal with the intricacies of guests throwing trash into the scenes, whether they put scrims or something that kind of blocks that scene, but... At the end, you know, there's just a giant vacuum that goes over the cars and picks up any trash, and the cast member gives the seat a quick wipe down, and there's drains in the bottom of the, the car ride, the, the, the car to make sure no liquids pool at the floor and get sticky. So I think just something like that, or maybe if they can have a communications-based uh, restaurant at the base of Spaceship Earth, kind of like the T-Rex restaurant where you have all the dinosaur animatronics in Disney Springs, where if they have something with kind of scenes that are related to Spaceship Earth, but they're related to the study and history of communications like Spaceship Earth is. Like, maybe bring back the classic Spaceship Earth with the kids watching that big giant screen as you start to go backwards on Spaceship Earth, or uh, the video call between the parent and the kid. This is this is uh, um, the, the narration before Dame Judy Dench. So, that's my idea. Um, 
I hope to see it come true. Not hold on to much hope, but I think that'd be a really cool idea. All right, this is my first time calling back in a couple of years, so have a good one. Hello, Lou Mangiello. It's Darlene Nagy, formerly of West Seneca, New York, and currently living in Central Florida. I have the countdown, and I hope everybody's having a safe uh, summer. Make sure you guys pack your uh, raincoats and umbrellas if you're coming to visit. The countdown is 58 days to the inaugural Wish Cruise, 184 days to the Wish Christmas Time Cruise, and 305 days until Bermuda. Oh, I wish I was going on one of those, but eventually I will. Um, and then June 11th, if you're in the parks and in Hollywood Studios, Lou's going to have a meetup on June 11th between 10 and 11 at Pizza Rizzo's um, Pizzerita <laughs> um, in Hollywood Studios. So go see him. Tell him Darlene Maggie told you on the podcast. Talk to you soon. Love and hugs. Stay safe.